This podcast is sponsored by FHE Health and their Shatterproof Program for First Responders. You're going to love my next guest. His name is Shiloh Harris, the American badass. He's a motivational speaker. He's a trainer. He's an author. He brings hope and inspiration and perseverance to everybody he comes into contact with. Now, on his second deployment with the 10th Mountain Division, he was assigned and worked near southern Baghdad. On February 19, 2007, his armored vehicle was struck by an IED. The explosion injured the driver and ended the lives of three of his fellow soldiers. Now, Shiloh survived, but with severe third-degree burns on 35% of his body. The severity of the burns meant the loss of Shiloh's ears, the tip of his nose, and three fingers. The crushing explosion fractured his left collarbone and C7 vertebrae. The devastating injuries required that Shiloh remain in a medically induced coma for 48 days. Shiloh came out of it and, through some dark periods, realized that he still had a lot more work to do in this life. He struggled with PTSD, and in 2010, he was medically retired from the Army. Shiloh often reflects on his time in the service and his injuries and says this, everything in life is a gift. Sometimes it might not be the gift you want, but you realize that your challenges are a new beginning. Very inspirational. You do not want to miss this episode with the one and only Shiloh Harris. Next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the CJ Evolution Podcast, a top-ranked show because of you, the listener and supporter. Thank you so much. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We know you're going to love the show. Long-time listener, welcome back. And hit us up on YouTube, the CJ Evolution Podcast YouTube channel. Subscribe so you can see the latest shows on YouTube. Thank you to you, the first responder, the criminal justice professional, whatever you were doing, wherever you were at, Thank you for doing it. And remember this, you are honored, cherished, and above all, you are loved. Keep up the fantastic work. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment, doing the breath therapy that's done here. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. They should be afforded the ability to come get help when they need help. It has gotten better, but we still have a long way to go. Hello, everybody. I am so honored to have this next guy on the show, Shiloh Harris. He's an American war hero. He is an inspirational speaker. He's just an amazing guy. If you, if, and, and the links will be in the show notes. You need to check out his story, what he went through. 
and most importantly, what he's doing today to help others. Shiloh, welcome, brother. Thank you so very much for that very warm welcome, Patrick. And again, I'm honored to be here because I'm getting interviewed by a hero and a veteran as well. So thank <laughs> you very it. much. Well, you know, brother, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for your, we were talking a little bit. You were making me laugh, man. I mean, before we started. I know we were... you should have been recording the whole time, <laughs> man. We've been cutting up and having a good time telling war jokes and stuff. <laughs> we were... uh, well, not everybody would have got all of it, but I'm sure. I know they would have been like, know. what the hell? like wow that's not funny that's pretty dark that's pretty dark he's asking about his haircut and stuff does my hair look okay (laughs) yeah i started to wear my ears i didn't know which set though i was like do i wear the you know red white and blue ones since we just came off the fourth of july or should i wear my spock ears today my big ears i don't know man i'm just well brother thank you figure it out Thank you from one army guy to another. I mean, thank you, sir, for, for serving this great country and uh, giving so much. And like I said in the intro, you're giving so much back with what you do every day. For those of people who, who don't know who you are, Shiloh, and they got to be living under a rock because you are everywhere, very popular. Tell us who you are, brother, and tell us that fateful day. If you just give us a, a synopsis about what, that ha- what happened in Baghdad on that fateful day in February 2007. Okay. Well, you know, I want this to be a good back and forth because I, yeah. I love the energy that we're having. So, uh, you know, I'm going to do a brief intro yeah. and then uh, we'll, we'll bounce around a little bit, yeah, yeah, tell yeah. some stories. And, uh, you know, I'm again, I'm so thankful for, to be here, man. And, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't get an opportunity to research you because you just asked me, what do I do? I usually <laughs> research, you know, who's uh, giving me interviews and that sort of thing. I think it helps. It makes it more personal. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but unfortunately, I didn't do my due diligence. So well, I I'm a retired cop and an army vet, but I didn't do nearly as much as you, brother. Well, I don't know, man. You just said it right there. That pretty much covers. So we walk the same. We talk the same. <laughs> yeah, walk exactly. like a duck. Talks like a duck. Got it, brother. <laughs> uh, uh, and we've been cutting up for like the first twenty minutes already. Well, so we have that. Great. We have that instant bond just because of the service. I think. But that's the great thing about veterans is you know, shallow. I mean, you can get on the phone. I still talk to army buddies I haven't seen like in thirty years. Yeah. But when you get on the and you know what I'm talking about, and veterans who are listening to this probably do. I mean, you can you cannot speak to each other for a long time, and then you get on the phone or you text, and it's like it's like it was yesterday you saw them. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent. And you know, and I tell you, and, uh, like you just said too, you know, it's like, and well, I guess well, we both said it. You know, it's like we we already feel like we know each other because we have walked a similar path. Yeah, yeah. And so in that aspect, you know, for those veterans out there, you don't really need that intro. But uh, what have I done since then? You know, I got blown up in Iraq in two thousand seven, as you mentioned, and a lot of people are actually more interested in what happened next. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's like, you're right, I am everywhere, and it's not something that I intended to do. It was just, it, I was, a, I was a happy guy because I'm alive. First of all, absolutely. you know, I'm above ground. I feel extremely blessed. I look around and, you know, I have a, a beautiful wife. I have beautiful kids. Uh, uh, you know, we're, we're all healthy. You know, I try to count my blessings each and every day, but uh, when I was going around the hospital, uh, I was kind of lost one day. And I say that loosely, you know, I was looking for a doctor's office that I hadn't been to. Uh, and I was heavily medicated, as you can imagine, uh, during that time frame early on, I was back-to-back surgeries for three years. Uh, I mean, it was just exhausting. But anyway, so I'm walking around the hospital and I walk in this door thinking it was my doctor's office and I poke my head in and I'm like, hey, uh, is this such and such doctor's office? And there's basically an audience on the other side. I'd be looking in at everybody 
looking at the speaker, which was behind the door. And the girl opened up the door and she said, oh, you must be our guest speaker. And I was like, actually, no, I'm just looking for my doctor's office. <laughs> and she said, well, how long do you have? <laughs> and I was speaker's like, not here, um, man. You want to fill in? <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. That was exactly how it went. And, uh, and she, and uh, I, I said, well, I said, uh, I do have a few minutes. I'll be happy to, you know, do some Q and a, I said, I've never spoke or anything. Well, that event or that little meeting that they were having was incoming cadre, uh, a couple of com new commanders, you know, and stuff like that for the base and, uh, some family members, chaplains and that sort of thing, you know, the, the support for the hospital. Yeah. I told them my story, the brief version, then when they did a little Q and a, they loved it. Uh, somebody that was in the audience said, Hey, we're doing this thing. Why don't you come speak? And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. That's not normal, like, brother. A lot of people would have said, no, man, I'm not doing that. You know that. Yeah. But you know, I was like, I felt good about it. And I was like, yeah. Oh yeah, sure, man. I'd be happy to do it. And then I walked out of there and I'm like, Oh man, what did I just commit to? <laughs> you know, I'm not a motivational. So I don't know what the, I don't know what I'm doing. And you know, for the first two years of my you know, I guess the uh, experience with speaking, you know, I, I cultivated in my, my, my story and, and, you know, and just kept growing it and, and turning it into something. And then one day somebody handed me a check. I was at a church and, and uh, I was telling my, my story of faith, you know, and how that affected me in, in my recovery. And I was talking about, you know, my faith at this church. And afterwards, the uh, pastor gave me a check for $1,500. And I was like, I was like, what is this? And he said, it's an honorarium. And I was like, I said, that people actually get paid to do this? And he goes, he said, how long have you been doing this? And I said, about four years or so. And he said, and you hadn't been paid? And I'm like, no, it's more like a hobby. And he goes, yeah. it's a pretty expensive hobby if you're paying for all your own travel and everything. And yeah. which I was, because I just wanted to give back yeah, and serve. Exactly, exactly. And I was wanted to tell my story. I wanted to help soldiers and veterans integrate back into society. I wanted their families to be taken care of. So I just became a yes guy. Well, then I was like, now I'm on the spot because now it's like, oh, okay, well, now I'm going to start charging people or at least start asking for an honorarium, you know, because I've been putting money into this thing. And my family and my wife, she was always on me going, you know, we got bills to pay. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm doing something good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so as I started making it a career and getting into the entertainment, here come along a book, you know, a writer come and met me and she's like, hey, I want to write your story. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. You know, I was like, I'm, I don't know if I want to go that far yet. And she was like, you're already here. Yeah. She said, you know, you're on stage. You're a professional. She said, you're doing great. She said, I love your message. Everybody loves it. And uh, I guess, you know, the best way to say it, Patrick, is I just started putting one foot in front of the other. And I started marching into what I felt like was my calling. And that's what I've been doing ever since. And, you know, of course, I've done this and that. And, and I've been blessed. I've done, and that's the biggest part is I... I have bad days like everybody else. You know, I wake up some days and I'm like, I can't do this. You know, I don't want to do this or whatever, maybe pain or, or whatever I'm experiencing. But the, the thing is, is each day I wake up and I know how blessed I am. And then I, at the same time, I also want to make sure that I'm bringing honor to all those service members that are still serving, all the brothers and sisters that I served with that are still in, in uniform and those that got out. Yeah. But more importantly, those that didn't make it home. Absolutely. Because those are absolute heroes. You and I, we're soldiers. We're, we served in the military. Those men and women that gave us everything, they're the heroes, bro. Every Amen. day. Amen, brother. Now, you mentioned 
we talked a little bit before we started about you mentioned your faith, you know, and which is very important to me. I know it's important for you. When you were going through those, you mentioned three years, brother. You had like 70 something surgeries. They were doing, I was reading, they were doing experimental stem cell, you know, regenerative, uh, you know, to get your, to grow your fingers back and all these things that you said, yeah, I'll do it. You, you said it, Shiloh. You were like, I, I have bad days, but how did you get, did you just lean on your faith or were you always like this, brother, before you were, you were injured and, and went into the military? Did you always have that sense of, oh, drive, I'm just going to keep going forward? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. I know you're going to have great questions. So I, that, that's one of my habits. I'm like, oh, that's good. You know, but no, honestly, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't think I've heard it quite like that. So there was a moment, mm-hmm. you know, I got blown up really bad, of course. You know, I was incubated for almost 50 days in a coma. When I came out of that, there wasn't a light switch on and off. And I was so messed up. I mean, I was so banged up that I was in airplane splints like this for weeks. My arms were stuck out. Uh, I couldn't even hardly move my arms. I couldn't move my fingers. I I mean, I couldn't even walk. I'd been laying in bed. I didn't know how long at that point. The first time that they asked me to walk, they came in and they were like, Sergeant Harris, we're going to get you up out of bed today. And I was thinking, you know, oh yeah, this is no problem, you know, because in my mind, it there wasn't even a timeline or a time frame. Yeah. That day that I just talked about, even though it's a cornerstone on my recovery, I can't tell you if it was, you know, 10 days, two days, uh, a month after I first woke up, so to speak. You know, and uh but I do remember they came in and they said, Sergeant Harris, we're gonna get you up and we're gonna we're gonna we're we have a goal of 10 steps today. Well, me being a combat guy, you know, <laughs> you're I'm like, like, okay, <laughs> 10 steps. I was like, man, I'm going to own this hospital. If that's the only expectation. Well, what three about some little, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. uh, uh, just getting out of the bed was excruciating. You know, I was thinking, wow, what am I in for here? You know, and this is when everything started becoming a reality of my situation at this point, up to this point, I'd been kind of pampered, you know, other than, you know, my bandages and stuff. It was, I mean, it was pretty painful at times, but this was unexpected. I mean, it was like every bone, every joint was just painful. And, uh, I, I remember standing up and I was dizzy and it felt like gravity was just mm-hmm. tenfold on me. And I, I could only move my feet like three little tiny shuffles and I was done. I mean, exhausted, nauseous, exhausted. I laid back down in that bed and I mentally crippled myself. And this is, this is where the shift is that you're talking about. Where did I find that drive? And this went on for about three or four days. And when I say this is a, I mentally crippled myself because I started thinking there's no way I can do this. It's too painful. It's too hard. I don't want to do it. They can't make me do it. And I was already just telling myself, nope, nope, nope. This went on for like three or four days, you know, and every time they'd come in and be like, hey, we're going to get you up and walk around today. And I'm like, nope, we are not getting up today. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here in, right here bed. in bed. And uh, that went on, went on. And then my mom come in one morning and she would, and she, every morning my mom would come in and feed me breakfast because as I said, I couldn't use my hands. She would come in and feed me breakfast and she would rub my feet because that was the only thing that wasn't all bandaged up. Everything else was bandaged head to toe. She's sitting there motivating me, trying to, and I was still being stubborn and hard-headed. 
Well, she left a little bit later. My dad came in. My dad, he's short, blonde-headed infantry guy, you know, kind of stocky. And he just stood at the end of my bed and had his arms crossed, just staring at me. He had these cold blue eyes. It's like they just seen right to my soul. I remember him standing there, and it's just like 20, 30 seconds of silence, uncomfortableness. And I finally, I was like, well, what is it? I held his posture for a few more seconds, and then finally he said, are you done, soldier? I was like, excuse me, sir? Are you done, soldier? And, bro, I just had chills from head to toe. And I was, at first, I didn't even know what to say. But then I was like, well, am I done? And I just looked at him and I said, no, sir, I am not. And he said, then get your ass up and start doing the work that they're telling you to do. And he turned around and walked me out of the room and left me with my thoughts. Wow. Powerful. They come in a little bit later and they said, we're going to get you up today. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's get up. Let's <laughs> yes, get ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll get it by myself. <laughs> yeah, don't send my dad back in here because I know what comes next. <laughs> yeah, that, that was it, man. And it was like that moment. He put it in perspective. It was like, yeah, are you really done, Shiloh? Are you going to pull the plug? Are you quitting? Are you a quitter? And when he put it in that kind of light, and then when he used that term soldier, you know as well as I do, man, when you put on that uniform, there's no quitting until you're in the box no. or until you go home, one or the other, because your team needs you. Everybody in my life needs me right now. My family needs me, and I'm not done. And I try to live by that philosophy each and every day. And, and when I have those hard days, I do. I'll go stand in the mirror and I'll look at myself. And, and I'm like, I, I know you're not done. What do you need right now? What do you need right now to help you feel successful and feel whole so you can go out there and keep doing what you're doing? And, you know, and when I say that, it's not just the entertainment. I mean, it's my family. I, th- I got to be a father. I got to be the problem solver. I got to be, you know, the breadwinner still. I, even though my wife works, you know, I, I, I'm still, I still like to walk on my own two feet. I like to represent my family. And so that's what we do, you know. Um, so we got the book out. You know, the writer was so good with us. And uh, anyway, but yeah, I mean, I was just, it's amazing. I literally just started marching and I've been blessed in so many ways, man. And God's been so good to me. Yeah. So it's, a, anyway. it's amazing. And, and for people who don't know, I mean, you, you talk about this, Shiloh. There wasn't just that initial IED that hit your Humvee, there was a secondary. So you got blown up twice. Right. Well, the second day was the AT4. Yeah, yeah. The the handheld rocket that was in the back yeah, of the truck. Exactly. So but, but you got blown up yeah. twice. Yeah, I did. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. But and that's so God we, saying. Know, but that's God saying, "Hey, Shiloh, you're not. No, you're you're not going here." Oh, I got my I got you, you saying I got, that. I I got plans for you, brother. I agree. Yeah, that's so good because there's some like the parachuting you brought up uh, uh, parachuting earlier or going skydiving. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I got to tell you this story. Now that you said that. Okay. And you, you should, you probably know this. I was in 82nd. Yeah, yeah I was airborne. I was in 82nd. I didn't get to go airborne. So I, I had to do it after the military. All right. So my buddy though, he was 82nd and which uh, my dad, he was uh, 82nd as well. So I thought that was kind of cool, but uh, he got into uh, like the ceremonies and stuff like that. It was yeah, yeah. Skydiving. And they built an amazing team out there. Uh, I think it's uh, Start Skydiving there in uh, uh, 
oh man what is that town it's right outside cincinnati anyway they, there's a little town outside cincinnati yeah. and uh, anyway so they they take people skydiving and they go to all these different ceremonies okay long story short i went skydiving for my first time and I, it was a tandem jump yeah I you always have to start nervous. tandem yeah I was not nervous at all. First of all, I didn't have to do anything except hang in there, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, secondly, the guys that, you know, my buddy, I mentioned was 82nd airborne. He said, Oh, I've been doing this 20 something years. And I'm like, I feel good about it. We got up there. Everybody's nervous. And I'm like, I'm ready. Cause my dad, he said it was the most awesome experience he had ever had. And he couldn't yeah. wait to go back. And uh, I got him out there before he passed away. But uh, anyway, so uh, we rolled out of the plane and we're skydiving, you know, free falling. And then he opens up the parachute. And when that parachute opened up, I was thinking there's absolutely no way anybody does this for fun because that parachute opened up so hard. It's that that it broke the main line. It broke the main line and it, it like pulled one of my legs almost out of socket. Oh, Half geez. the parachute collapsed and now we're spinning. We're spinning and spinning oh, and spinning. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I just stayed, I just stayed in position. You know, and I, I'm letting him do his work. I didn't freak out or anything. And, uh, you know, I'm uh, hanging on and I'm, I'm still enjoying it. You know, I'm like, oh, this is beautiful. <laughs> even though I'm spinning around. I bought all the shit you've been through. You're like, yep. Yeah, all right. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, he did a cutaway. He cuts away and he gets the reserve open and boom, you know, we go in nice smooth landing. And the whole time he's like, you good, brother. You good. And I'm like, oh yeah, man. I'm like, I'm great. And uh, anyway, oh, we get on the God, ground. My... Everybody had already left. But they could see us from the buses. And so nobody knew it was me that had the cutaway. So we get the next morning at the event, everybody was like, did you see that cutaway? And I said, man, I said, I was, I couldn't see it. I said, I was busy uh, riding it out. <laughs> like, and, and you could see people going, wait, what did he just say? What? Wait, wait, that was you? <laughs> exactly. But that day that everybody was talking about it, uh, they, were like, they were like, oh, man, how did you feel? What happened? And I said, look, man, I said, here's the truth. I was not nervous, not one bit, because I knew that after everything that I've been through, the 80 plus surgeries, and, and that's to date, you know, you're right. It was, it was like 50, 60 surgeries, like back to back during that three years, uh, 80 something surgeries today and all the stuff about I've experienced and I'm still alive. God exactly. would not fail me then. I knew that I knew it in my heart and I wasn't even nervous, not for one second. And after that, I was like, I'm going to start jumping on my own. I don't want to do any more tandem jumps. And anyway, he goes, really? He was like, man, he said, I figured you'd be done. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm just getting started. And uh, anyway, so I'm almost certified. I only need about two or three more jumps. Uh, COVID happened, so I'll probably have to go back and do a refresher. But, man, I love it. Well, I've only done, of course, I was doing static line with 82nd. I've done a couple tandem. I remember the first tandem jump I did, I had some young kid from the Air Force Academy. This was back in Colorado. And he's like, hey, man, you were in the Army, right? You were at the 82nd. And I was like, yeah. He's like, don't do any of that crazy shit you guys do when you jump out. Just let me do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a blast. And you know, Shiloh, it's either you love it or you hate it. But it, yeah. but it, but it's such an exhilarating feeling. And statistically, you know, brother, I mean, jumps are safe. No matter what people say, you have a better chance of getting in a wreck in your car than you do dying in a skydive absolutely but so yeah. those what advice would you give you know people out there brother who are struggling right now who, who are facing adversity who are thinking you know i can't go on god help me you know god's not listening to me 
whatever. I mean, what advice do you give them? I'm sure you get this all the time. People who come up to you. I know they probably do and say, you know, what advice would you give me? I'm, str I'm really struggling that. How do I grow stronger like you? How do I get past that adversity? Uh, uh, I'm really glad you asked that too, because uh, there's a lot of different advices that I give and, you know, a lot of them are off the cuff at the time, but, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough. You know, I know that there's a lot of good organizations out there. First of all, you know, the VA has made a lot of changes. I know that the VA still isn't a hundred percent where I'm sure we would all like it. Yet at the same time, they, they're trying to change and, and, you know, policy, it takes time to change. For those of you that may be struggling, be patient. But here's the thing that I've learned is the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You go to the VA, talk to your rep. If you can't get a hold of your rep, talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, generally the VA hospital, uh, and this isn't just Shiloh Harris, you know, the author, motivational speaker. What I'm saying is this is Shiloh Harris, the veteran. If I go to the VA and I don't get what I think I need, I tell them, I tell everybody. I'm like, so who do I need to talk to to get the answer that I'm looking for? And if I try multiple avenues and I don't get the right answer, you know, that I think I need, well, then I'm starting to ask a different question. Okay, well, why is this policy like that? Now, what can I do to encourage change? And, you know, so being involved in the community is one of the first ways to get that change. And, and uh, I, I encourage that all the time. But the, these nonprofits, uh, I, I honestly, in my particular position, I get a little exhausted with the nonprofits, except they play a huge role. Mm -hmm. Now, me, I go to a lot of the fundraisers to represent the organizations, which I'm proud to do. And, you know, so I see a lot of them. Uh, and I, I do get tired sometimes of, of doing those. Yet at the same time, I know how important they yeah. are and the purpose that they serve. We need all of those cracks filled. Absolutely. So if you think that you're going to get uh, therapy by going on an outdoor event, Look up veteran outdoor programs. If you're going, if you think that you need a clinical thing, then look up clinical. If you're looking for a retreat, family thing, married, there, just about every category that you can think of that's going on in your life where you might need something, there is probably a veteran, uh, uh, probably a veteran run 501c3 nonprofit organization out there that's probably willing to get you out on an event. Yeah. And, uh, and, and that was one of the things that I pride myself on is being a part of those organizations. And I try to network a lot of them. As a matter of fact, I have a list of quite a few of them. Uh, my top, top ones on uh, my website, uh, shallowharris.com. Yeah. Uh, so I recommend, you know, anybody that's in the audience, go and check that out, man. Look at yeah. some of those nonprofits. If you know somebody that's extremely disabled, this is another one. So right now we're in the middle of a, what they call a, the hundred homes challenge with helping a hero. And what we're doing is we're building adaptive homes for oh, veterans that, yeah, uh, like a, a people that have amputations, you know, back injury, people that just have mobility issues, arm issues. You know, we're trying to get these adaptive homes out there, and we got a great partnership right now with Lee Greenwood and Johnny Morris from Bass Pro. Johnny Morris is actually paying twenty five percent of amazing. those hundred homes, and we've already got about I think forty homes built of our hundred homes. It's amazing. Uh, yet. 25% of the, Johnny Morris is covering and he paid for the first 10, 100%. And so any of the funds that are being raised at certain times, they have like, uh, he'll come on like around the holidays, like 4th of July, he offered to match any donations that came in hundred percent match. So if they, if they got $50,000, he was going to put in $50,000. And so we're trying to find veterans that, that need homes 
Uh, so if anybody knows somebody that's a veteran that served and uh, combat injured, uh, you know, from OIF, OIF, please go to helpinghero.org and nominate them. Uh, if you are a veteran, go there. But here's another one. Now this one, this one was life-changing for me in a lot of ways. I got off my meds. I got off my meds and I put down the bottle. Wow. I still drink socially every now and then, but 90% of the veterans that I meet that are struggling, part of their big coping mechanism is drinking. And I get it. I understand it. I've been there. I was in the bottom of that, that bottle. My faith helped play a role in that. My family helped play a role in that. But listen, to anybody out there that thinks you're doing yourself a favor by grabbing a bottle of vodka or a bottle of whiskey to numb that pain, you're not doing yourself any favors. No, no. And I think the biggest thing, a problem. And I think the biggest thing, brother, you correct me if I'm wrong. I'd love to hear your opinion really quick. I know you got a jet in a few minutes is I think the people I talk to and you talk to tons of people is sometimes they're afraid to come forward because they don't want to appear as weak or they don't want to appear as fragile or maybe they got their ego. Hey man, I was in the, you know, I was in the 10th mountain or I was with the 82nd. I, I, it was just drilled into me that we suck it up and drive on. And I tell people that, you know, weaknesses, I mean, it's okay to be humble. It's okay to say that you're suffering. That's actually a strength instead of a weakness. Absolutely. That's absolutely what you just said. Strength. It's a strength, but you get, you're right. Naturally us as service members and peace officers and, and first responders, we come at this, you know, not being the weak link. That's what you're taught from day one, from day one. Don't be the weak link. Don't be the weak link. And that's ingrained in you. Mm-hmm. You are not weak to go and ask for a hand up. You being in a fragile state and not getting help. That's weakness. I mean, honestly, and my dad, he was the world's worst about it. My dad had PTSD really bad from uh, Vietnam. And so I learned a lot of what to do and what not to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, our house was very volatile. Um, and so, you know, I wanted to make sure to not go down that path. Yeah. I want my kids to have good memories of me. And I, I have great memories of my dad too, but some of the ones that stick out are some of the worst memories, of course. Yeah. And so those are the memories I want my family to remember are those good memories. Yeah. And if I can do get upset, you know, I try to tell everybody I'm having a bad day. Uh, y'all going to have to give me some space. <laughs> but, see, but, but see, that's the key is when you communicate it, because I learned that the hard way instead of just, look, I used to isolate and just, you know, not say anything. Mm-hmm. But you said it, brother. That's so key, you know, by just simple communication and saying, look, I'm just having a bad day. I need some time by myself. That's huge. Mm-hmm. It is. That way, because they now they know, okay, dad's having a bad day and he just needs some space instead of <laughs> what I used to do is just isolate. <laughs> hey, just so you know. That works out too, even when you're not having a bad day. And I'm trying to say this so nobody can overhear me in the other room. Because you can be like, oh, man, I'm having a bad day. And then everybody's like, can I get you something? Want me to make you a plate? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I probably use some ice cream and maybe some chicken and barbecue. Will you make me an iced tea? (laughs) (laughs) Could you go mow the yard for me? Oh, man. I'm having such a bad day. I'm going to go play some <laughs> golf. I'm just having a horrible day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Shiloh <laughs> Harris, man, you are the man, brother. I got to have you back for a part two. Uh, you're oh, a hero, brother. God bless you. Thank you for your service. 
just so I know if anybody wants to reach out to you, book for you, book you for a speaking engagement, read your book, see the movie, by the way, we didn't talk about the little movie you have. Oh yeah. So Shiloh. we just got a shorty yet. We're working little on shorty, the movie, Shiloh. So. You can find everything at shilohharris.com. Correct, brother. Correct. And we, uh, I have some other uh, veteran books up there. I'm working. I just redone my website. So uh, first of all, I want to say if anybody finds any typos or any issues, be sure and let me know. Send me some feedback because <laughs> I'm really trying to fine tune it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I wanted to take this opportunity with this new website and this. Uh, you know, everybody's coming out post COVID. I think now. it looks amazing. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah I really, we really, we really worked hard on it. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm trying to make sure I, I represent other veterans as well too. You know, I, I've got some other products, you know, that, that veterans are, are out there. We've got new veteran business owners and stuff. I'm actually building another business right now. But let's talk about that next time. Man, I, how about we do another show? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a part two, brother. Okay. Yeah, send me a, yeah, send me a date and then uh, well, let's lock that in because I'm really having a great time. Yeah, yeah. This. Well, you're a great conversationalist. You're funny as hell, like every military guy I know. And not only that, but you've got a great heart, brother, and I love your attitude. And this is what people need to hear these days, because, you know, a lot of veterans, a lot of first responders are struggling. So I really appreciate you coming on, brother. And God bless. Go have fun with the family and stay tuned, folks, for part two in the future. Shiloh. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Hey, uh, one thing I want to tell you, though, uh, before you sign off, I want to again say thank you very much for your service, brother. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for your service as a service member and a peace officer. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. God bless, man. Talk to you soon. God bless you.